Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? After 50 years of covering hockey, 47 as a broadcaster, and the last 15 as the lead play-by-play voice for NBC Sports NHL coverage, Mike Doc Emmerich announced his retirement. He's called 22 Stanley Cup Finals, 45 Game 7s in the NHL playoffs, 19 NHL Winter Classic and Stadium Series games, 14 NHL All-Star games, and 6 Olympics for more than 3,750 professional and Olympic hockey contests by his count. He's in seven halls of fame, including the U.S. Hockey and Sports Broadcasting Halls. He's earned eight Sports Emmy Awards for Outstanding Sports Personality Play-by-Play, including an unprecedented seven consecutive trophies for the last seven NHL on NBC seasons. That Emmy streak makes him the best play-by-play announcer in America right now, and he's regarded as the best hockey play-by-player to ever put on a headset. But it's his humanity and care he's shown other people and animals through the years that resonated on last Monday's media conference call. As media members asked questions, Emmerich recalled having conversations with them through the years. An Associated Press writer who told Doc at age five he wanted to be a reporter. The New York Times reporter who shared a love of animals an L.A. Times writer with whom he enjoyed traveling and covering the New York Rangers. Interspersed into these recollections, questions, and answers were messages from his NBC colleagues, executive producer Sam Flood, Sunday Night Football's Al Michaels, and Doc's analyst for the last 14 years, Eddie Olchuk. Also sharing well wishes were NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and New York Islanders President of Hockey Operations Lou Lamarillo, who served in that capacity for the New Jersey Devils when Emmerich was the voice of the franchise. Earning his nickname after earning his Ph.D. in communications from Bowling Green State University, where he began his broadcasting career, Doc addressed his retirement with some of the more than 100 different verbs he's used to describe a shot or a pass through the years. He also references the published date of his book, Off Mike, as Tomorrow. The Triumph Books publication was released last Tuesday, October 20th. Partway through the playoffs, which NBC graciously allowed me to do from home, uh, I became very aware not only of how fortunate I was to continue to be safe here at home, but aside from my cancer scare in 1991, to have been healthy these past 50 years since reporting on the NHL for the first time. And any of you who are in the Professional Hockey Writers Association of the NHL, I was a card-carrying member for that first year out of the 50 uh, in the Pittsburgh region, uh, covering the Penguins for the Beaver County Times. Red Kelly was the coach. That was 70-71. So I counted that as my first year of having games on my calendar to attend and then college for two years doing games there and then seven years of the developmental leagues and then 40 in the NHL. But looking back on that time, um, I became a million miler on one airline during the 50 years since. And 
marveled at how well the whole travel system worked even after 9-11. And reflecting back on that time, I'm still okay. And I am not sure what you see through the windows where you are, but in Michigan, we have the height of fall with great color today. And that's where I think we at the Emory House are, uh, humans and creatures. Not as young as we were, but we are in a great place right now and able to enjoy this time in our collective lives. So for the first time since that 70-71 season back in Pittsburgh, I won't be putting game dates on a calendar anymore. And thankfully, NBC has allowed me the opportunity to occasionally send a video essay uh, to them. So out of all of that, I still get one of their team jerseys and I'm staying on their team. But one other note, and then I will stop. Uh, Joyce and I have always cared about animals of all kinds. And this date got crowded into the hockey calendar uh, because of the launch date tomorrow determined six months ago of a book that Kevin Allen and I, uh, Kevin, who was for 34 years, the hockey writer for USA Today. We began a book about a year and a half or so ago, and it is titled Off Mike, and it launches tomorrow. Triumph is publishing it. It is autobiographical, a lot of hockey stories, but it's on sale beginning tomorrow wherever books are sold, and 100% of whatever I receive uh, goes to the hands-on care of animals, uh, dogs and cats and volunteers, gas cards for them, veterinarians that you don't know um, and probably won't know. Um, and I will thank persons who buy a copy. You know, in this pandemic, there are occasionally surgeries that might need to be done that can't be done for free. And there are people that, because they are out of work, don't get a chance to maybe have the option of paying for those. And so this is an area where Joyce and I can occasionally step in. And so this is not a an organized uh, fund that we have created other than it is uh, it is just cash that we see needs and are able occasionally to meet them, and that makes us feel good. The New York Post's Phil Mushnick broke the news of Emmerich's retirement. In this answer to the Post's Andrew Marchand about what it takes to be a great play-by-play announcer, Emmerich may have let us know why Mushnick was the first to have the story. There are an awful lot of us that, you know, we, we all have different personalities, so I don't know that there's... I, I don't know if there's something that makes me um, any different than anyone else, and other than person, uh, than what our what our individual personalities are. I will say one thing that one of your colleagues wrote about me that was probably the most flattering thing that I can recall, and that was Phil, who said, "Emmerich is trustworthy." I. Th- think whenever something like that is said about you, you you really appreciate it because that's one thing you want to be as a sports announcer. You want what you say to be believed. So I guess that would be one thing that I would say in general that we all want, I think, is to be trustworthy. Emmerich's love of animals, who he treats like family, came to the fore as he explained why he missed the 2002 Olympics. He graciously remembers the man who replaced him 18 years ago and may be in line to be the NHL on NBC's lead play-by-play announcer going forward. When they are ill or hurting or are terminal, um, that affects you in a similar way that, um, that a human being would. 
there are always debates about how significant in comparison it would be, but in a similar way, for sure. And um, our our little terrier, Katie, was was terminally ill with kidney disease, but it looked as though there was a way we could help her by getting her to the University of California, Davis. But the timing was, was poor uh, compared to the 2002 Olympics, and it was not something that you just shrug off because I would have not been of use to NBC as a preoccupied announcer, and it wouldn't have been fair to the sport or people watching the, the greatest competition in the world at that time either. And Kenny Albert marched in and did a wonderful job at the last minute with all of the competition of all of those nations, as you would expect you would. Uh, but And so I could fully concentrate with Joyce on potentially saving Katie's life, although it didn't work out that way. Um, whether that strengthened anyone to do something similar in any circumstances that they might face, I don't know. But it was something that you do for people that you love or creatures that you love. And so that was that was the humanity, as you used the word of the situation. The U.S. Olympic hockey team's gold medal winning performance in Lake Placid in 1980 has been a through line for Emmerich, so it was special for him to hear from Mr. Miracle on Ice, Al Michaels. Thanks to a request from Michael's grandson, we may hear Emmerich call another NHL game. For now, he was content to tell a story about the 1980 captain, Micah Ruzioni, and what might have been had he not scored the game-winning goal over the USSR 40 years ago. I have a grandson who is now 14, plays hockey. He's pretty good. He's, you know, he plays. He lives in uh, Southern California. We train with the Kings train. And uh, and by the way, thank you for announcing those two Stanley Cup wins for the Kings in 12 and 14. But he's a good little hockey player. And he said to me about a year ago, hey, so pop up, when are you going to retire? And I said, Nate, I'm going to retire when I can announce your debut in the National Hockey League. And he was pretty excited about that. He came to me about six months ago and he says, Hey, pop up. Can't you get Mike Emmerich to do that game? So doc, I'm going to have to bring you out of retirement to do that game for my grandson. And the only other question I have or or request doc is I would like you to leave for me some of your unused verbs so I can use them on Sunday night football. You're the greatest man. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm just I'm nonplussed, and I, I'm so glad to have you step onto this call because uh, it's so much a part of of, uh, of my memory bank on great moments in hockey, and it means a lot for me to have you on this call. I'll never forget working one year with uh, the man whose uh, most exciting uh, moment in his life was described by you, Mike Ruzioni. We worked together doing New Jersey Devils games in 1983-84, and with typical Mike Ruzioni bravado and humility combined, I asked him, Mike, what happens if you hit the crossbar and the Soviet Union comes back or the game ends in a tie? And he said, I'm probably painting bridges in Boston with my father. (laughs) But isn't that typical of Mike?
Emmerich couldn't identify one most memorable moment in the booth, so he shared how he connected another U.S. win over Russia at another Olympics using the words of the 1980 U.S. head coach, Herb Brooks. I remember T.J. Oshie, when he scored the four goals, and, and there wasn't really anything other than, uh, at that point, it's about the players and the goaltenders that are participating in um, this was the 2014 preliminary round game between the United States and Russia. And the rule in international hockey is when you get into um, a shootout that after the third shot, you can continue to use the same shooter. And uh, Dan Bilesma, uh was a very smart man, and he realized he had the best guy in in shootouts on his roster and so he just kept using him so after the third shot tj oshi was going to take the rest of them and so he wound up taking six and he scored on four including the one that clinched it and that that was in the video and of course it's easy to forget when oshi was scoring that jonathan quick was doing a wonderful job at the other end preventing uh the likes of Ilya kovalchuk and and uh pavel datsuk and others from either scoring or at least uh, uh, clinching uh, the victory earlier in the sudden death rounds. So he scores the goal. And uh, as we are wrapping up, I remember Matt Marvin, uh, our, um, our producer, um, he scored the goal and then there was the celebration and all of that. And because it was a preliminary round game, uh, the players departed. And uh, it came to mind, because this was the U.S. against Russia, um, it came to mind that uh, there was another famous game, even though it was not a preliminary round game. It was a game of great significance in 1980 in Lake Placid. And so I, I just asked Matt to have our director get a shot of the crowd leaving. And so at that point, as he was showing some of the fans um, leaving the exits, uh, I said they paid their rubles to see the home team win, but not this game, not tonight, which was the, uh, which was the phrase used by Herb Brooks before uh, Team USA played the Soviet Union in Lake Placid in 1980. And so it was one of those things that I thought to recall at that time. But the more significant thing to me was, and uh, it's one of those things that, not to promote the book, but it's one of those things that I found so significant that I did include in the book, unlike what I just told you, was that after that, he was, of course, hustled off to all of the uh, all of the prominent shows that we had going on in Sochi to talk about this. And he kept saying, you guys are making too big a thing of this. Well, it was a thrilling victory. And as a matter of fact, one of our staffers, Dan Patrick, said to him, do you realize that if this had even been in a later round, you would be as big back in the States as Mike Ruzioni for scoring that goal in Lake Placid? Well, so time passes, and now we get back to the States, and now there's a game in Chicago, between Chicago and St. Louis, and at this time, TJ's playing for St. Louis. And so so I asked him, I said, TJ, um, before some of those shots you were taking against Sergei Bobrovsky, you had a smile on your face. Why was that? And he said, well, 
it was getting kind of funny. And I didn't think it was. It seemed to me to be pressure packed. And then the last thing I asked him was, is this the most significant thing that's ever happened to you in your life? And he said, no. Shortly after I got back, I witnessed the birth of my first child. That was awesome. So that's what I recall. And that's one at least thing that I said that comes to mind now. And it's the springboard to another story that I think is far more significant. In Lake Placid, Montreal Canadiens goaltender Ken Dryden served as Al Michaels' analyst on the ABC broadcast. When one of Emmerich's NBC colleagues told a story about Dryden during the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, Doc saw it as another sign that his time in the booth might be up. I was told by people that had retired that he would know when. And uh, I... In the middle of the playoffs this year, it was probably between rounds two and three that it finally registered with me that this was the time. And I realized that all those guys that I had talked to uh, were right, that you will know when it's time, and this seemed like the right time. And I think it was reinforced by the fact that my health was still good and Joyce's health was still good and that we had uh, creatures that were also doing okay. And so this all seemed just like the right time. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go overboard on this, but the round number of 5-0 from the time that I started seemed like another thing that just reinforced that, you know, I've really had a wonderful time at doing this. And another thing about that time, I just thought of this too. Um, about that time, it was either in the second or third round, Brian Boucher was on, and he mentioned Ken Dryden. And I had a flashback to that year as a volunteer, I guess you would say, covering the Penguins. Um, and Neil and I talked about, Neil Best and I talked about this um, earlier in the playoffs. Ken Dryden was, uh, was a rookie that year with Montreal Canadiens. And... What happened at that time was that I would work one dressing room after the game and the, the hockey news correspondent in Pittsburgh, Jim Fagan, would work the other one. And so here came this college guy out of Cornell in with the Canadians one night into Pittsburgh, and, and the Penguins were okay. They were going to make the playoffs, but they weren't great, not like the Canadians were, who were on their way to winning the Stanley Cup. And so here comes this college guy, and he plays goal for them, and he's tall, and he's, he's, he's good, and he's a college guy. And at that time, college guys were kind of unique. They weren't, they weren't the norm to be in the NHL. And so anyway, uh, the game ended, and uh, Jim said, I'll take the Canadians' room, and I said, okay, I'll go down to Pittsburgh. And afterwards, he couldn't stop talking about this guy driving and how erudite he was and how, how polite he was and how he was writing his exams. And, and here he was in the NHL. And, and then I realized uh, I didn't look it up in, uh, in the guide to see whether Brian was even alive in, in uh, 1970. And he's talking about Ken Dryden, this legendary goaltender. And I realized, you know what, that was my first year covering hockey and in the NHL. And, Gee, a lot of times passed, and and here I am, and I'm still okay, and uh, isn't it wonderful? And so I guess that was just another thing that told me that I've been very fortunate, but 
this is a good time for me. For the record, Boucher was born in 1977, seven years after Dryden and Emmerich's rookie season in the NHL. When asked how he'd like to be remembered, Emmerich put it in the context of the 2020 season, always showing his respect for those who play the game and hoping his telling of their deeds did them justice. The real money that's made by hockey players is made during the season. It's not made during the playoffs. And, and it's not talked about because what's talked about is that you play to get your name on the trophy and maybe a ring that's too big to wear. But here they were gone for four and a half months between games and flying back from 20 countries and competing that hard in bubbles with restrictions and 33,000 or whatever the number is that you know, COVID tests that were absolutely perfect, including for one week in 24 cities when they were coming and going from their homes and how hard they competed and fought for a championship trophy and all of that done in a compressed period of two months' time, God bless them, because this sport means a lot to them, and they competed that hard for it, and it wasn't for the cash. It was, in my mind, it was for that ultimate trophy. Yeah, people can do sidebar stories about, it, about all of the, uh, all, all of the um, other side money that's, that's involved in, in, the, uh, in next season and all of that, but... When you saw them play that hard, you realized that they were on the ice for a reason, and it was the same one that they arrive at in April, May, and June. It's just this year it was in August and September. So if people have an appreciation for that and the athletes, and I had anything to do with it, that'll make me feel really good. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.